We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. so much for tuning in to Weird Distractions Podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate in discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, urban legends, and conspiracy theories to provide you and more than likely what the creator of Highlighters would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week's distraction is all about a Canadian-based paranormal hotspot, but before we get distracted learning about that, I have a little bit of housekeeping and I need to tell you what I needed a distraction from. In terms of housekeeping, I want to kick things off by just saying a happy Mother's Day to all those in mother roles. I hope you have a fabulous day. Hopefully you get to relax. If not, hopefully you're doing something fun. And speaking of moms, I want to make sure you tune in to one of my podcast moms, Lynn's, as her and her sister slash co-host Madison hosts a live show on Sunday, May 21st to celebrate 150 episodes of He Old Crime. Their show will start at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on their Instagram page. Definitely tune in and come celebrate Ye Old Crime. Next on the housekeeping docket, I will have a new Weird Spam episode out for the Here for the Weird patrons, and this month's episode features the hilarious John from Reddit on Wiki. Go to www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast to learn more. Lastly, I just want to give a heads up that I will be taking a break for episode 162. I just got a lot going on this month, so... I need a little bit of a breather. I'm hoping to release an episode from another podcast on Sunday, May 21st, and am hoping to be back for May 28th. Now, in terms of my need for distraction, I officially start my new job hopefully tomorrow. I'm recording this like a week out before I start. I'm anxious. It's a job I've always wanted to do and have always been interested in, so please Fingers crossed that this one works out. Uh, Also cross your fingers for me as I juggle a very hectic next couple of weeks. I'm hoping everything will run smoothly, but alas, I think Mercury is still in retrograde or in the microwave or whatever it's doing. Who knows? I feel like the world is on its side right now. And yeah, that's my need for a distraction. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. As mentioned in the intro, I've chosen a chat about a Canadian-based paranormal hotspot, because why not, eh? With that said, we'll be hitting the east coast of the country to discuss the haunts associated with Bell Island, Newfoundland. Due to potential coarse language and adult themes that some may find disturbing, listener discretion is advised. About an hour west of the province's capital being St. John's lies today's distraction. Before we dive into the reported haunts of the island, I'm going to cover some of the reported history I came across online, and the history portion is kind of what I've piled together, as I don't have capacity to do a big old deep dive into the island's full history. I've basically threw together the portions I found interesting, with hopes that you too will find it as such. The island, which is one of the largest islands within Conception Bay, was once reportedly inhabited by the Beothuk people before European settlers came and took over. The Beothuk people were indigenous folks that some sources have claimed are now extinct, 
However, some indigenous-based writings claim that this is not necessarily the case. Rather, those specific resources claim that the Beothuk intermarried with other indigenous nations along the mainland after they had been forced out of their coastal territories by settlers. Once English and French settlers came and did what they did best, aka come on the land and called it theirs, a larger European community was formed and a big cultural meshing took place. This then meant that the Beothuk was becoming increasingly isolated and eventually they withdrew from the area. So not necessarily extinct, but I think eventually they just were kind of pushed off the land and as mentioned, they married within different tribes. Stepping away from the inhabitants of the land for a moment, according to Britannica, the island was called Bell Island due to a large bell-shaped rock located within the island's west end. Besides having a big old bell-shaped rock, the island became somewhat famous for a whole other reason. The island was once one of the world's major iron ore producers for over 71 years, starting officially in 1895. There are reports of iron ore being known going back to at least 1578 when a merchant from Bristol, England reportedly found iron deposits there, but it was in 1895 when capitalism kind of started with the iron ore. The iron mines, which are apparently more than 18,000 feet beneath the island, became a huge economic source for the island and drew many folks in for employment opportunities. Children as young as 10 years old probably were hired by the mines in the early days, with resources claiming that they would work jobs such as picking ore on the conveyor belts, separating the chunks by size, and discarding useless bits of rock. 2023 me is cringing at the thought of 10-year-olds working in this environment, but I do understand that it was a different era. As like other mines that were worked in during the late 1800s and early 1900s, the conditions in the beginning weren't necessarily the safest. During its entire functioning, there were a total of 106 fatalities within the Bell Island mines. And direct quote from the Heritage Newfoundland website to touch on some more of the fatalities, quote, For a few examples, in 1938, a methane gas explosion in number six mine killed two men and injured several others. And injured several others. On January 11th, 1952, a man was killed by a 20-ton ore car in number three mine, and two others were killed by runaway cars in October of 1949. Industrial accidents increased in the 1950s when new, more powerful, and faster machinery was introduced. When a worker was killed on the job, it was the custom, as it was in other mines, to stop work immediately and return to the surface, end quote. I came across one website that lists some of the fatalities in association of Bell Island's iron mines. For example, a man named Peter Fitzgerald allegedly died on April 11th of 1917 due to a dynamite blast within one of the mines. Another individual named Alfonso Hocco died in September of 1955 due to going over a cliff while at work. Things did eventually become safer for staff as time went on, and in 1941, a union was even formed to try and protect its workers. Eventually, the mines shut down in 1966, and the island population slowly but surely began to dwindle. 
As many can imagine, the island has tried to boost its economy through tourism, especially after more than half the population dipped between 1961 to 1971. Reports claim that some hundreds of the former miners moved with their families to the small town of Galt in Ontario because of the promise of factory jobs. Fun fact, eventually Galt was nicknamed Little Bell Island due to this influx of former Bell Island residents. Now, if a dwindling population doesn't sound too bad, then maybe I should fill you in on what the island and its current inhabitants have been dealing with, which, in my opinion, just seems like blow after blow after blow. For example, in 2002, there was an advisory for all tap water to be boiled due to an outdated network of waterworks. Then, during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the remaining practicing doctors retired, which seemingly sparked anxiety and concern for the aging population residing on the island. I think, if I do remember correctly, they were still looking for like an island doctor back in 2022. So needless to say, if you need medical attention, I think you have to go to the mainland, which that's a little scary, especially if it's an emergency. Politics have also caused a lot of stress on the island too. And according to Wikipedia, quote, the island has been somewhat politically infamous since the 2010s because of a long-standing feud between various local politicians and other locally well-known figures and their entourages. Over the years, there have been calls for an audit and allegations of alleged conflict of interest, mismanagement, and defamation from various sides. End quote. Bad water, no doctors, and political drama? Talk about a lot of headaches for an island that is only 9.5 kilometers long and, on average, 3 kilometers wide. Because of the island's history, especially what is being highlighted today, i.e. the mines and kind of all the tragedy that's taken place there, and of course we can't forget the history of the settlers and taking over what was once the Beothox land, there have been whispers and allegations of paranormal activity taking place on site. Rumor on the street claims that Belle Island may be one of the most, if not the most haunted place in all of Canada. Let's tackle the paranormal accounts and let you be the judge of that. Our first paranormal tale associated with Bell Island involves a woman in white or referred in one write-up I came across as the white woman. If her name is Karen and she has a Costco membership, then you bet she's probably super scary to deal with. Jokes aside, many claim to see a ghostly apparition of a woman around the island dressed in white. In a direct quote from a Saltwire website, quote, The most unfriendly reverend to roam the area is not a long dead miner entering or leaving the tunnels, but a vengeful white woman. Women back then were considered to bring bad luck if they entered a mine or even walked onto a mining site, an old superstition, one of many on Bell Island. Sightings of this white woman apparition supposedly began in the 1940s, which seemingly followed a horrific discovery in one of the mines. As the narrative goes, miners had discovered a young woman, dressed all in white, floating in a well that they used to get water from during work. Some claim she had been murdered, and her murder remains unsolved, although some believe it was a local man from the island who murdered her. In doing a deeper dive into the story, I discovered that the woman in white is part of a folklore on Bell Island. 
I could not find any case of a woman whose murdered body was discovered in a well on the island by miners, and nothing really in relation to that story whatsoever. Nothing on newspapers.com, nothing on Google, just nothing. However, I did find numerous resources noting that this tale is just that. A tale. Many believe that the white woman or woman in white may be another rendition of the folklore creature referred to as the hag. The hag, in English, is a nightmare spirit, with other connections to Dutch and German folklore, among others. Many stories regarding the hag have been used to scare children into being good, and if they aren't, then the hag will come and terrorize them. Because of the many cultures on Bell Island, specifically during the early mining days, Many believe the creation of the white woman or woman in white was taken from the tales of the hag with a new Newfoundland and Labrador twist. Wheeling back to the paranormal reports, though, let's talk about the mines, since that is where many of the reports seemingly come from. Obviously, to no surprise of anyone, considering the amount of deaths that have taken place in and around the mines. There have been claims of people witnessing apparitions of old-timey dressed miners as if they're going to or from work. So basically, they witness people dressed in mining clothes going in and out of the mines, which the mines have been closed since 1966. So realistically, nobody should be going in or out to work unless you're doing a tour. If exploring the former mine sites, some people have reportedly felt as if something or someone is watching their every move. Shadow figures have also allegedly been seen near the mines, along with muffled, disembodied whispering while exploring the area. Folks that do take the tour through the former mines and the staff that conduct them have reportedly felt an icy wind brush past them as if someone is walking by. And like many haunts, there have been reports of unexplainable footsteps heard throughout. Lastly, based on local folklore, the swamp area near the West Mines named Butler's Marsh is said to be home of fairies. The job of the fairies is to allegedly lure young children who are misbehaving away from their homes and never to be seen again. In other words, we have another motivator for children to be good with another scary tale. And in terms of fairies and their whole folklore, one day I will cover them, but I have a hunch it's going to be a long episode. So maybe one day when I don't have a lot going on, I will try and tackle that tale. These seem to be the paranormal reports from the island, but as always, if you have your own tales, let me know. And on that note, let's wrap up this week's Weird Distraction. Bell Island sounds to be a little piece of Canadian creepiness hidden away from the rest of Newfoundland and Labrador. But is it as haunted as people claim, or is it just steeped in decades of various forms of folklore? What do you all think? Let me know your thoughts on today's topic over on the podcast social media accounts or shoot me an email. Again, if you have any experiences or stories in relation to Bell Island, feel free to share them. I may even feature it on a future Listener Distractions episode. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming Weird Distractions or any podcast on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a rating or review, please consider leaving a rating or review because that is the best way and 
the cheapest way, because it's free, to support your favorite podcasts. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an episode is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find Weird Distractions over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and on TikTok. Do you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month? Why not join one of two tiers over on the Weird Distractions Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content, such as bonus episodes and bonus series, such as the Even Weirder series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early and ad-free access to regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Jennifer, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you and appreciate your support so much. Without you, Weird Distractions may not be what it is today. Lastly, I want to hear from you. I would love to collect your stories of paranormal encounters, too close to home true crime cases, maybe even some weird MLM experiences, or maybe just in general weird things that you've encountered so that I can continue to release the Listener Distraction series. And you might be tuning in for the first time and you might not know what I'm talking about. This is a series that Christy and I originally started where we would read your personal experiences on air. If you have a story you want to share, please email me at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections needed to be made after today's episode, please let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.